My name is Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 54 of All About Fitness. On today's episode, I'm extremely honored to have as a guest a man who was a huge influence on me as my career as a personal trainer and a fitness educator. Paul Check is the founder of the Check Institute based in San Diego, California. He is a holistic health practitioner who has years and years of experience of changing people's lives through non-traditional means. Now, one of my goals for All About Fitness is to bring to you different aspects of fitness. Fitness isn't all just what we do in the gym, but a large component of fitness is how we carry ourselves outside the gym, what we do in our day-to-day life. One of the things that Paul has espoused for years is having a holistic lifestyle. In our conversation today, you'll hear where Paul got those influences from and how they influence him not only to be healthy, not only to exercise, but his overall look at everything. Now, I want to just give you a little heads up. We get into some pretty esoteric ideas here. We're not just talking about sets and reps and what what are the best exercises. In fact, we don't even touch that. A lot of the stuff Paul and I talk about really gets away from the actual physical meaning of fitness and more towards the spiritual side, more towards the inner fitness, what happens in our heart, what happens in our head. So it's going to be quite a different conversation than you're used to, but one I think that you're, you're going to get a lot out of. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Paul on the show, and, and I'm really honored that he agreed to be a guest, is that Paul is one of the major disruptors in the fitness industry, or he, or he has been. You know, back in the 90s, when, when all the gyms and all the fitness companies were buying these big, heavy machines, all this really equipment that you would bolt to the floor and wear seatbelts when using, Paul really disrupted things by talking about, you know, movement. Paul was talking about just simply standing up and moving more. You know, when you go into a gym now and you look around and you see all the open space, if you see the field turf, if you see the the freedom to move, Paul had a real big influence on that. You know, when you think about the things, you know, we're all familiar with gluten now. We now see warning labels for gluten. The first time I ever heard of a gluten intolerance was probably back in the late 90s or early 2000, right around 99 or 2000, when I went to a couple of Paul's uh, workshops or Paul's lectures at a conference I attended. I'd never heard of, of a gluten intolerance before. But in a lecture that he gave called Flatten Your Abs Forever, Paul was talking about how gluten intolerance could help lead to excessive weight gain. You know, I mean, he, the other thing that Paul talked about early on, and I'm talking about 15, 16 years ago, was Paul talked about eating organic food fresh from the source. You know, that was years before this whole, before this whole farm-to-table concept. That's why I wanted to have Paul on as a guest today. Again, we get into some pretty, I don't want to say they're deep topics, but they're certainly far from traditional. You know, one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is bring you different points of view. You know, everything isn't just about how much weight you can lift or how you look in the mirror. But if we want to have a better lifestyle, if we want to be able to, to get the most out of life, we have to open our minds up and hear different points of view, hear things differently. And so that's really where I went today with, with my guest, Paul Check. So after a pause for a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, I'm really pleased to sit down and have a great conversation with Paul Check, the founder of the Check Institute. And if you like the conversation today, stay tuned for the end because he has a special discount code to give out if you want to pick up one of his books or do one of his special education programs. Vicor Fitness is the maker of the new TerraCore, which is a step, bench, balance trainer, and multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to V-I-C-O-R-E fitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment 
they'll be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. Call with All About Fitness, and it's indeed an honor and a privilege today to have with me uh, Paul Check from the Check Institute. Paul, can you give us a quick little background of, of your bio and, and what it is that you do? Okay, well, I'm a holistic health practitioner by license uh, in the state of California. That means I can use any means uh, that is natural to help people with pretty much any kind of problem, whether it be physical, emotional, mental life crisis challenges, spiritual challenges. And I began my career as an athlete, as a motocross racer, a boxer, a martial artist, played pretty much every sport I could play when I was young. And then I became the trainer. I was a fighter on the U.S. Army boxing team in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, when I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. And I also represented the Army in triathlon. And because the company commander wanted me to win the triathlon because he was betting a lot of money, he offered me to leave the boxing team and train for triathlon full time. So when I told the coaches I was I had that offer, they immediately asked me to stay and become the trainer because they thought my training methods were very unique and I was pretty much the only guy on the team that could fight hard all through all three rounds. So I got to work with an osteopathic physician who was the team medical doctor for two years where I learned to care for acute sports injuries. And I got to apply all my studies of holistic health, nutrition, and uh, I had spent a lot of time studying weightlifting. So I got to apply basically all my conditioning knowledge, all my nutritional knowledge, and I wanted to do massage therapy for the fighters because it had been so helpful for me as a triathlete in particular. So I took on the responsibilities of nutrition, designing all their exercise programs or all their conditioning, um, managing their massage therapy, working with the doctor to care for the injuries, which there was, as you can imagine, a lot of with 30 full-time elite fighters training six plus hours a day, seven days a week. And I also managed the entire gym facility. And that launched my career. And then I decided I wanted to move to San Diego, California, because that was the mecca of triathlon training. So I came here, got my license as a sports massage therapist, and then did my studies to get my holistic health practitioner's license. I also studied neuromuscular therapy with Paul St. John and completed that, studied medical exercise therapy with various teachers at different locations in the world, and then just continued to find the best experts in any field that I could to learn from them. I then got asked to work for the largest physical therapy clinic in San Diego in 1988. And at that time, I also began traveling around in the United States, giving lectures on the integration of exercise, uh, neuromuscular therapy, and diet and lifestyle principles. And I worked with 22 physical therapists and we had a surgical center there with 13 orthopedic and neurosurgeons. So I was able to attend a lot of surgeries and I've done five complete cadaver dissections in my career. And I was able to learn a lot 
from the physical therapist and they uh, traded knowledge with me. And then I opened my own physical therapy clinic with a partner, which we ran in La Jolla, California for three years. And then due to the insurance companies basically ripping us off so badly, we couldn't make enough money to make it worthwhile. So I decided that I wanted to only work with people that I could work with and do what I was really here to do, which was properly assess and guide them. So I opened the Czech Institute in 95 and went to a cash pay system and then spent the rest of my career, which is now 32 years I've been doing this, studying and traveling and just learning from the best people I could find anywhere in the world on every topic that I thought was relevant. And I specialized in medical failures. So almost all the people that came to see me were people that had been through a lot of various types of treatments, surgical uh, interventions, and were by all means failing. Nobody knew what to do with them. And using the holistic approach that I've woven into the entire Czech Institute system, I was able to rehabilitate and greatly improve pretty much every single one of those people. And I've also been successful at taking professional athletes that were medically retired due to injuries, rehabilitating them and putting them back in the game, some of them going on to make 20 more, twenty million more dollars than they would have if they had been uh, stuck in their retirement phase. So in summary, I'm a holistic health practitioner. Uh, my mother's a yogi, so I have a strong influence from um, yoga and the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and the Self-Realization Fellowship. I was sent by my mother to a summer camp when I was 15, where I spent the summer learning meditation techniques and methods for living well and understanding what a spiritual life was. And I've been involved in meditation, Tai Chi, I studied medical Qigong, and I've been practicing those arts consistently. Well, meditation on and off when I was a kid, but then once I got into Tai Chi and Qigong, it kind of rekindled my interest in meditation. So uh, probably for about 20 years now, I've been very, very consistent with Tai Chi, Qigong, and various types of meditation, which I teach, and I'm sure you're familiar with from the zone exercises in my book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy. And so that's pretty much what I do. And I still consult people from all over the world with all kinds of problems and uh, run the Institute and develop new programs. And that's pretty much a, 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 as quick a summary as I could give. Really. I mean, it's, it's an extensive background. And, and for the listeners, I mean, I, one of the things that why I'm really interested in, in speaking with Paul and kind of what we're going to go into is, you know, 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, when I first started going to workshops, Paul, you were the first one I heard talking about the necessity of organic food. You're the first yeah. one I heard ever mention something called a gluten intolerance. You know, yes. you even you even, even in the early 2000s, you know, you, you're talking about the necessity of, of squat, of, of pooping from a squatting position. And now we have something being sold on Amazon called the squatty potty. So, yeah. you know, you've been, in my opinion, just from, 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 you know, being a, being a um, fan of yours and reading your work over the years, you've been light years ahead of where the rest of the fitness industry is. How would you make that? How would you make that? You know, evolution from being like a fighter, a very alpha, a very kind of hard charging, to somebody who really seems very centered and grounded. I mean, and, and into this holistic. Because if you you know to listen to your your background from boxing for the army, especially with the airborne, to now, that's a huge change. How'd that evolution occur? Well, I think it really began when I was twelve. My mother was a Christian scientist, and 
my father was quite physically abusive of her and left her when I was probably five years old. And then my father drowned when I was eight. And my mother was really quite emotionally distraught. And then she married another guy who physically abused her and us. And when she became a yogi, I, I saw such a radical shift in her ability to manage stress, manage my stepfather, manage the challenges of life, that it had a, a significant calming and stabilizing effect on me. And I had already been in trouble when, when I was in church asking questions that the, the pastors and various preachers or whatever didn't want to answer and would kind of step aside. And then I would get told not to ask questions, which was very frustrating for me. So the first time my mother took me to the Self-Realization Fellowship Temple and they did the opening prayer, I had a very profound experience of being with my people, I would say, at home. And I was only 12 years old. And they began the first, the opening prayer by saying, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, Paramahansa Yogananda, Sri Yukteswar, Lahiri Mahashai, Babaji, Krishna, saints and sages, saints and sages of all religions, we humbly bow to you all. And it was like a lightning bolt went through me, and I, for the first time, felt safe and like I was actually with adults, not people that were just as lost as the kids all around me. And so even though I had a lot of life force energy and a lot of pain and a lot of emotion that I needed to move out of me as part of my healing that led me into boxing, martial arts, and the combative sports, because it allowed me to move that energy out in a safe way instead of, you know, getting into street fights and, and vandalism and all the things that often happen to kids that come from backgrounds like that. I always carried the wisdom that I learned in those weekly meetings and then the wisdom that the monks passed on to me. And I was so amazed when I was 15 being around the monks. And, you know, we had a large class, maybe I'm guessing 150 kids from all over the place that had come to the summer camp. And a lot of them were absolutely wild. I mean, wild to the point that even a wild kid like me thought, wow, these are out of control kids. But the monks were amazingly skilled at connecting to them, maintaining um, a sense of stability, and basically handling the storms that would really just throw most people right off their game and most adults into violent reactions. And I just had this sense that this is what was possible for me as a human being. So. Yogananda's teachings are very holistic and he's very into exercise and nutrition and all the things that are essential to living well. And I really never lost touch with those seeds that were planted in me by the monks and by the uh, teachings of the Self-Realization Fellowship. And whenever I ran into challenges and you know life circumstances, I was a father when I was just turned 18, so I had a lot of stress. My parents didn't have any money. My wife's parents had no money. So I had to go off into the world and make it happen all by myself. And fortunately, I was raised on a farm. My father owns a large 140-acre sheep farm where we would 
we raised sheep and we had a woolen factory where we sell the wool to the local Indians for arts and crafts and sweaters for the tourist trade. We raised all sorts of produce, strawberries, rhubarb, vegetables to sell. So I was very grounded in the principles and practices of farming. We sold firewood to make money. Uh, both my parents seemed to struggle with money a lot. So the whole family had to participate and there was times where money was low enough that we totally lived for long periods off the deer and the elk and the animals that were um, passing through our, our farm on Vancouver Island, which is quite wild territory even today. And um, I just learned that you have to understand the soil, you have to take care of animals or you or they get sick and die and you lose all your money and go hungry. And so I think that being grounded in reality so deeply and realizing, you know, if you don't water animals or plants, you got problems. If you don't feed the animals well, you got problems. If you don't fertilize soil properly, then your plants become susceptible to parasite infections. They get weak, they die, and you don't have anything to eat. So as I moved out into the world and saw how, for example, when I became the trainer of the Army Boxing, when I joined the Army Boxing team, I was absolutely shocked at the way these athletes, many of which were the best boxers in the world, and in fact, half the fighters on my boxing team made it all the way to the 1988 Olympic boxing team, which is unbelievable. And um, when I saw how completely out of balance and antiquated and things even that the coaches were doing, like fighters skipping rope with full sweatsuits and plastic bags on, dehydrating themselves, taking these things they called, uh, the, the slang is piss pills, which which are, they're pills that speed the kidneys up, so they would, they're diuretics. So these guys would be completely dehydrated, they'd be starving themselves right before fights, all because they just had such poor diet and lifestyle management strategies and they had no discipline to, to do it over a period of time. And my walking around weight when I was a fighter was 164 pounds and I fought at 147 pounds and I was only 7% body fat. So I had to have a pretty conscious strategy of eating so I could do all that exercise, not break down and, and not you know, just be so depleted. And the coaches were amazed at how I did it. And, you know, I would be eating raw food and yogurt and, uh, you know, steamed chicken. And, and I never starved myself or did any of these silly things. And it naturally showed up in my performance. So, you know, what I'm sharing is that from an early age, I learned how you have to manage life itself in order for it to be prosperous. And the kind of the 82nd Airborne Division, the boxing, the kickboxing, and even the motocross racing, I was also a stock car racer and a drag racer. All those were outlets for all the kind of stress, frustration, pain, anger, and emotion. And they were the only events that gave me enough challenge to divert my consciousness into a focus where I could achieve some level of success and feel um, proud of my own accomplishments instead of just, you know, forever working on a farm and being kind of a slave to a stepfather. Well, and I want to, if I can interrupt you for a second, because this, 
to hear that background, Paul, is, is very enlightening to, to, to see, to, to kind of to, to look at what you're doing now to, to what you teach. And the fact that you lived on a farm and you had to work the land and you had to re- be responsible for your food. And then, yeah, you're right. When you got to the military, I'm sure some of their dietary and, and some of their nutrition, ha- their nutrition habits and their training habits were completely opposite, antithetical of what they should be doing. So yeah. just just to get on this real quick for, for listeners, what do you think is wrong? Like with how we market fitness right now and the way the modern fitness industry is, what do you think is – what do you think – and this is a huge question with your background. What do you think is wrong with it and what can what should we be doing in terms of an overall fitness program? Well, you know, the, the fitness industry has changed radically. Um, you know, when I began my athletic career – calisthenics was a major part of it, mastering your body weight and free weight training. And all the uh, machines and gyms at that time were the initial fixed axis and universal type machines and Nautilus machines. And one of the things I noticed right away as a young man is that I was very, very strong on these machines, but there were guys that were like taking Olympic weightlifting training and stuff like that could that could easily outlift me with a free weight. And so immediately I realized that no matter how strong you were on those machines, it did not convert to improved athletic performance or the functional ability to actually lift a free weight. And even though I was very strong from lifting hay bales, compared to some of my friends that were taking Olympic lifting training for various reasons, whether it be sport or their interest, I learned that Functional integration and technique is absolutely critical. So when I began lecturing, um, you know, through my work with very, very screwed up people and a lot of pain and a lot of orthopedic disorders and uh, muscle imbalance syndromes and degenerative changes and disc injuries and neurological impingements, I had to really study the science of how the body works at every level. And when I looked around and saw what physical therapists and chiropractors and osteopaths and personal trainers were doing, 99% of the time it was making people worse. And when I told them that, they argued with me and told me I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. So that led me to a deep study of goniometry, which is the science of measuring the body and I did comprehensive studies and training in orthopedic and neurological testing so I could understand what was actually going on with key control systems in the body. And I developed a very comprehensive system of measuring my clients before, during, and after all the programs that I designed. And I could quickly identify exactly what the effects of any given exercise were from assessment to assessment. And I'm actually probably the only person in the world that's ever done that And I produced a database of results, tracking all these clients objectively. And it got to the point where anytime any doctor or therapist started to argue with me on stuff like that, I could actually pull out the data and prove it to them. And I even went as far as to invent and patent calipers specifically to measure key things that there was no instrumentation to measure, such as forward head carriage, first rib angle, pelvic tilt, and other things that are all critical indicators of structural balance or imbalance. And so it got to the point where in the 
late 80s, the head physical therapist that I worked with who had a master's degree in physical therapy and was very skilled was so mind boggled by what I was teaching them and showing them, she encouraged me to start giving lectures to physical therapy clinics around the United States. And that opened the door and it caused quite a, a revolution because I used their own textbooks and their own science to show them that what they were doing was wrong. It just didn't work. And then I lectured at the National Strength and Conditioning Association conference a couple of times. And that not only started a huge awakening because I was showing them the importance of functional exercise and the actual neuromuscular correlations and how the body responded at a very deep scientific level that was undeniable because it was backed by their own science. And unfortunately what happened was is after I would lecture, the vendors would not sell anything because they were all machine vendors and all the kind of stuff <laughs> today. And it got to the point where Hammer Strength, which is the key sponsor, approached the NSCA and told them that if Paul Check lectures here, we will no longer sponsor your conference. So I got blackballed from that conference, which I got news of from an insider in, in the board who actually really loved my teachings, but wanted me to know why I was getting rejected with all my applications. And, and I've had this happen multiple times now throughout the world. And that leads to the answer to your question. The answer to your question is very simple. The entire exercise industry is no different than the medical or the drug industry. It has nothing to do with what's actually best for people. It's product driven. If you go to any conference, you will see that almost every session being given is connected to some kind of a product or some kind of a pill or some kind of protein powder. <clears throat> so it's really just gimmick sales and the level of knowledge required to be an exercise professional is ridiculously low. I mean, you can still get a personal trainer's license by taking online courses with multiple choice tests. And it takes seven years for a person to go through the training that I've developed to be a full fledged level four check professional with personal professional sp spiritual success mastery training. And so they understand the body, the mind, the emotions and the spiritual elements of life itself and how that you can manipulate any of those factors through exercise itself if you understand how the body energetics work and how the psyche works. So well, the exercise well, industry is really just a, a another product sales industry. It's It has very little to do with exercise and the level of education is so low that they fall for it hook, line and sinker. Well, and, and I, you know, I totally agree with you on that, Paul. And, and I got into, into, you know, I've been an educator now for a number of years. I actually worked for one of the largest uh, certification organizations. Um, and my goal while I was there was really trying to, to change their approach a little bit. And, and, and I think uh, I helped do that a little bit with a couple of my colleagues and we, we, we changed the, the model of, of program design that they had. And so when you look around now, because I totally agree with you, I mean, I do some of the conferences and a lot of them are, it's basically an infomercial. You're basically going around and it's like an infomercial roadshow. But what's your reaction to, because when I first saw CrossFit workout back in the early 2000s, maybe 2004, 2005, I was kind of like, this is cool, but all it is is high intensity training. We're doing some barbell work. We're doing some yeah. body weight work. And it's not really, and honestly, is a lot of it because I'd been influenced by you, you know, a few years earlier. What's your reaction now to this trend where we have movement-driven programming and we have, you know, CrossFit basically went back to the gyms of the 1890s. You walk into a good CrossFit gym now and it looks like just like one of the original gyms from the 1880s or 1890s 
with medicine yeah. balls, dumbbells. I mean, is that a surprise to you? Is that something that kind of caught you off guard? Uh, well, not really. And you might want to, if you looked into the history of it, I was probably the first person on the lecture circuit lecturing on the science of functional exercise and really working to change the industry from the roots up. So, you know, uh, I was at a conference in London where I was actually presented as the father of functional exercise. So I've watched people go from very intensive training on machines and dysfunctional exercise to taking the same level of intensity, yet with the same dysfunctional bodies into functional exercise, which is kind of like going from being a kid driving a car uh, in a video game arcade and thinking that because you're scoring high points that you now can go jump into a real car and drive like that around town. So what you get is this sort of illusion of strength and function, yet now we have massive amounts of injuries. In fact, CrossFit has, I'm sure you know, has had lawsuits against them. There's all sorts of research papers coming out and lo and behold, it is producing a lot of injuries. I don't really think that the problem is CrossFit itself. My philosophy is there's no such thing as a bad drug or exercise, only an incorrectly prescribed drug or exercise. So CrossFit really, if you think about it, is really like working on a farm, but just doing a lot of work very, very quickly. And if you, I used to laugh because I take a lot of my buddies in high school and they like to come out and visit the farm because they were city boys and they would be dead shocked at how they couldn't lift hay bales. They couldn't keep up with me doing almost anything, carrying wheelbarrows of firewood. They were good looking, but functionally useless. And so now we have a massive number of people. For example, if you consider research shows that about 72% of human beings, adults on this planet, have an undiagnosed disc bulge ready to go at any time. And those are the people that are doing CrossFit. You've got terrible posture. You've got massive problems with inflammation of the digestive system and organs. You've got high levels of adrenal fatigue. So really what you have is people that need to be in rehabilitation and learning basic diet and lifestyle principles to achieve just baseline health. But instead, you've now got mothers that have had three children, a cesarean section who have no core function, poor posture, no weightlifting experience of any type, now doing cleans, presses, jerks, pushing themselves into severe exhaustion. And I've got many pictures that I've collected of right out of CrossFit of people with the most obnoxious and terrible form. So the, the real issue is that A, CrossFit's just an offering, but there's, again, there's not enough education in how to prepare a person to do that kind of exercise so it positively benefits their life. And so what you end up with is what a, what a, a bunch of fit, sick people, and they burn themselves out and they keep compensating with more powders, more pills, more coffee, uh, and then they get into things like ephedra and other stimulants and, you know, it goes all the way up to steroid use. And so what you have is really a mirror of society's mental emotional state imprinted on their exercise environment. And we're in such a rushed, almost meaningless culture where everybody just works themselves to death to have a fancier car or a fancy watch or another gadget or the coolest clothes. And they really don't spend the time to connect to themselves, take care of themselves. There's very little um, 
time spent with introspection or the inner arts, which are definitely essential to really coming to know who you are and what life is all about. So it's kind of like the same emotions that I had to take out through aggressive sports like boxing and kickboxing and football are now being taken out in a gym through activities like kickboxing classes, martial arts classes, and functional exercise classes. But there's nobody really guiding people to understand how to use that mental emotional energy productively. And so what you get is you get the same wound up people with all their emotional and mental traumas and all their programming from being taught what to think in school instead of learning how to think. And exercise is just now the one of the next addictions. And unfortunately, they're addicted to real exercise, but they're not ready for real exercise. So it leads to a lot of yo-yo syndromes where a person goes in, they do some exercise, they lose some weight, they can see their abs, they get all excited, but the next thing you know, they've got a back injury, a neck injury, a shoulder injury, a blown ACL, and then they're going to a doctor, then they get fat, then they get depressed, now they're on drugs, now they're frustrated because therapy's not working, they often don't heal very well because their diets are so terrible and they're ser seriously lacking rest. And so it's really just a mirror of what I would call Western, the Western psyche. And you can see it in any profession or in any region of the world. And weightlifting is just another place to look at it. And I agree with you. Sorry to cut you off, but I agree with you hundred percent because it's never, I don't look at any form of exercise like CrossFit or yoga or Pilates or indoor cycling because it all works. My fear is when people get too committed to any one mode of exercise, you know, one or two indoor cycling classes a week, yeah, okay, not going to hurt you, one or two yoga classes. But if that's all you do and you're doing it for the purpose of aesthetics, I think you're putting – it's, it's, you're not putting the, the natural purpose first. Like when you look at exercise, and you talked about this, you start off with this with, with your background in the spiritual fellowship. You know, when you look at it, when you read Aristotle and it's like you have a sound mind and a sound body and exercise just supports what your mind is doing. That's one of the reasons why I was really interested in speaking with you, Paul, because we had a conversation a number of years ago, you know, that we started, we were talking a little bit about your spiritual journey. You're telling me a little bit about your experience as a shaman. And, yeah. you know, you have always been, as I said earlier, you have been way ahead of the curve on the industry. And we're now, you know, I was, I taught stability ball exercise for years after going through your stability ball course. I mean, you really helped me make a lot of money as a personal trainer. I mean, after going through some of your courses, I never fully invested in, in the Czech practitioner, but I really, you know, so I owe you a, a debt of gratitude, but I really learned a lot from you. And it was really, I was able to pass that on to the people I worked with. And yeah. so I've seen, as I've seen us move towards the CrossFit model and the open gym concept, where we're doing a lot more movement, I really think the next the next kind of wave, if you will, that we're going to see it probably another three to five years. I still think we're ahead of the curve is, is getting in touch because we've done high intensity training. I knew that was going to be the trend in the mid 2000s. And sure enough, CrossFit and kettlebell training exploded, you know, and, and now now we're talking about recovery and overtraining. And I really think that the next phase, if people want to be if people are are looking out there, if listeners out there are trying to think about what the next trend is going to be or where they're missing their fitness program. I think it's meditation and spirituality. And, and I really think that, you know, we've been so focused, as you said, on extrinsic. We've been so focused on what we look like, the car, all this nonsense, all this BS that we forget about. We're all part of the same universe. We're all part of the same energy system. 
So yeah. let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, how does that, how does your, how do you think that fits in? How do you think, that, and I know that some people are going to listen to this, Paul, and I know they're going to be like, ah, what, what, this is nonsense. They're going to tune out. But I really would ask you just to listen a little bit because we're so focused on all these external drivers that we're forgetting what's within us. So how's your spirit, like, you know, what has your spiritual journey been and how's that really kind of helped you in terms of your overall approach to health and just lifestyle wellness? for lack of a better term? Well, I think for me and for a lot of people, because I've rehabbed thousands of people and I've coached many world champions and world record holders and Guinness Book of World Record holders and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I've had my finger on the pulse at every level from the sick, broken down housewife uh, to the rich man's wife who's depressed because she doesn't get enough time and support and she has all the purses and watches and fancy clothes she could ever wear to the greatest athletes in the world. And every one of them has learned tremendous meaningful lessons from the injuries because the injury brought them to a therapist like me or a check trained professional who could help evaluate them properly and put things into perspective and explain to them the direct connection between the health of your glands, your organs, your mental emotional state and your musculoskeletal system. And, you know, I teach people how to read the energetics of the body. So by the time somebody's an HLC two practitioner, holistic lifestyle coach level two, and even a check level two, they can be watching you walk down the street while sitting in a coffee shop and write a report on you that's probably got details in it your mother doesn't even know because they're involved not only in the science but in the practice if they're doing what I teach them so they have to take themselves through the transformation. What I've learned the most from in my life is my injuries and I've had a lot of injuries. I have had six major concussions racing motocross. I had four broken noses and a broken rib in boxing and martial arts. I broke my left wrist doing uh, bicycle stunts. I broke my left leg in five places cliff diving. And, and I had a guy fall on my head during a stunt lifting demonstration and it uh, blew out my C5-6 and C6-7 disc and tore all the ligaments in my spine and uh, on one side and left me with a, a serious spinal instability and I ended up having the whole left side of my body go numb and losing about 26 pounds of muscle in six weeks and I couldn't even carry a briefcase and I've had to rehabilitate myself and look deeply into what it was that I was that was driving me to push myself to such extremes that my system basically collapsed under the stress of it all or why did I have to do things to impress other people that put my own health at risk? And because there were so few skilled people around, I, I usually knew more than the so-called local experts. So I had to use myself as my number one patient and look deeply into myself so I could honestly identify what it was that I was doing and why I was doing it so that I could consciously modify my approach to diet, lifestyle, and exercise to create a sustainable living practice that allowed me to stay fit, healthy, um, and not age unnecessarily. And I'm, I'm almost 56 years old and I can still run and lift as well as I did in high school. 
And a lot of professional athletes are very shocked when they train with me because I can still do single arm chin-ups and heavy lifts that they can't even begin to do. So it's really quite mind-boggling for them. But the, the key point I'm getting to is that every time we injure ourselves or we have an illness, it's an important realization that if we didn't realize that we were creating that by our own choices and participation, it means we're doing it unconsciously. So what I call the pain teacher comes to guide you, to wake you up, to help you evolve. And each time we heal one of our own injuries, if we're paying attention, we usually look around and go, oh my God, everybody around me has got this problem. For example, when I identified that I was gluten intolerant, dairy intolerant, and had a genetic allergy to beef, which I'd been eating all my life on the farm and had headaches every day till I was 36 and figured all this out, I realized that every, almost every single person I'd ever worked on had these problems. So I immediately began testing everybody and found out there was rarely ever a person who did not have some kind of unidentified food intolerance or food allergy. And then I studied fungal and parasite infections because I, for to make a long story short, began to identify that a lot of the people that had these weird symptoms like things crawling under their skin and strange things coming out in their bowel movements. And all of a sudden I started looking into that and I found that the symptoms were rampant. And then I found research showing that about 90% of the world population has an active parasite infection and 90% have an active fungal infection. So then I started healing those in my own body and was shocked to see what was inside of me when I started using the right approaches. And then I found that there was just mountains of people that had chronic low back pain, chronic inflammation, chronic uh, things like couldn't sleep at night, adrenal fatigue that wouldn't heal, grinding their teeth at night due to excessive stress and causing all sorts of temporomandibular joint and dental problems. And when I cleared those parasites out, which required a complete conscious awareness of diet and lifestyle because parasites are a symptom of dysfunctional diet and lifestyle, I began to see even better improvements. And so over the years, I basically found that my, you could say spirit was guiding me and letting me take responsibility for all the problems I was creating in my own life and put me in a position where I had more knowledge than most people that I could pay to help so I had to use myself as my own clinical subject. And every time I found out how to address one of these issues, I developed knowledge and skills that turned out to be needed by countless people, which is how my courses all got developed. So really my journey has been one of self-realization through you could say largely exercise and then the relationships with thousands of people because when you're a therapist to someone, you have to have a real relationship with them. It's just like any other relationship and there's people that don't behave well. There's people that blame you for things. There's people that don't participate and keep complaining. There's people that come to you and nod their head and then go out the door and do exactly what you just told them not to do because it was causing their problems. So that led me into a deeper study of understanding relationships and human behavior and the science of behavioral change and how to coach people more effectively, which after 32 years ultimately led to the development of my newest and most comprehensive program, which is Check Four Quadrant Coaching Mastery, where I 
go very deeply into into what the human psyche is, how it functions, what are archetypes, what is the soul, how does the mind work, how does it interface with the body. So I ultimately reached a stage in my own development where I understood how the body-mind works from a top-down, or shall we say mind and spirit down into body, and how the earth and the body influence everything from the bottom up. So how is your thinking and your belief system and your choices or behaviors influenced by the health of your body and the environment and things like the nutrition in the food, which leads right back to the quality of the soil. And so essentially, I've come to a point in my life where I truly feel that I live and teach holistic health because I've spent 32 intensive years studying and practicing and paying attention and now I'm probably have more empathy and compassion for people than I ever had where when I was younger I used to think people just were silly or doing stupid things because they were that was just their nature but now I realize people are you know they're highly influenced by marketing influences they're highly influenced by religious influence and they're highly influenced by people that are famous but often are faking it you know you look at all these athletes for example who are <laughs> out there selling all sorts of stuff but behind the scenes they're doing all sorts of drugs and doing all sorts of things that are really uh misrepresentative of the product you get some professional athlete telling you to eat this protein powder it's going to make you look like this but what you don't realize is they're on all sorts of drugs they're burning themselves out and they're fit sick people and they're selling illusions and they're trapped in illusions and so you know i, I want to give you time to talk but i hope that answered your question well it, it does and, yeah. and and one of the things you know I, I realized you know after one of your lectures and you're talking it was a lecture where you you went through your four I think it was your four doctors model, <clears throat> and I'll ask yes. you about that in a second. But I realized, you know, I was studying, I believe, for the CSCS, and that's a certified strength and conditioning specialist. And I was reading yeah. about, um, you know, high-density uh, lipoprotein being a component of testosterone. And, and Paul, yeah. that's when it occurred to me, you know, th that we are set up to fail. Because when you look at what, you know, HDL is a component of testosterone, and what company out there sells, a lar sells Lipitor, the largest um, anti-cholesterol medication on the market? Are you asking me what company it is? Yeah, which company sells Lipitor? I mean, there's a company that sells Lipitor to lower your cholesterol. I can't remember which yeah, company. It's, Either it's, be Pfizer or GlaxoSmithKline or it's, Merck. It's Pfizer. So Pfizer will sell yeah. you Lipitor to lower your cholesterol. And what's that yeah. little blue pill they sell you so you can make your wife happy on Saturday night? Yeah, Viagra. Yeah, so they, they understand. So we, we are conditioned to listen to these, these companies and, and, you know, years ago you mentioned that how, you know, the directors of, of these boards sit on one another. And that, that kind of woke me up to realize that, that we are fighting a battle against the industrial food giants, against large pharmacy companies that really yeah. don't really care about our health. They just see us as a vessel to make money, you know. And yes. so what is your four, you know, your four doctors model, I think, breaks it down to a very, you know, we've talked about the holistic approach. And, and, and some people, this doesn't resonate. For, but for people, if you've been constantly injured, if you're constantly going from one injury to the next or one illness to the next, I really just, I urge you to pick up how to eat, move, and, and was it how to eat, move, and live healthy? Am how to eat, move, and be healthy? How, how to eat, move, and be healthy. Because I read that a number of years ago, and that had a significant influence on just at least my overall outlook. But what are your four, what is your four doctors model, Paul? And, and, and why does that, why is that so important? 
Well, first of all, I'll say that I have an ebook called The Last Four Doctors You'll Ever Need, How to Get Healthy Now, which is a multimedia ebook that has video clips and it shows you how to assess your breathing pattern, how to do work in exercises for cultivating life force, shows you how to identify what your dream is, how to establish core values that are dream affirmative so you know when to say yes and when to say no. And it's a quite simple book that I wrote for the general public. So people that wanna you know, restructure and, and bring themselves into awareness of these essential principles could get that ebook, The Last Four Doctors You'll Ever Need, How to Get Healthy Now, which is available at uh, www.chekinstitute.com. So basically I was in deep meditation um, around 2000 to 2005, I kind of had to deal with a, an educator's paradox, and that is that mostly highly intelligent people take my training because, you know, it's real training. It's not fluffy stuff. It's not memorization. You're taught a system for gathering essential data, and you're taught how to channel that data into meaningful choices with diet, exercise, lifestyle and even behavioral concepts and, and issues that people need to reflect on. And my system requires that the practitioners do it in their own lives or I won't let them move forward to their next level of training. And what I found out, which was very painful for me, is as I was traveling around the world, visiting all my students and going into their offices and their gyms and watching them work with people, is that very few of them were actually using what I taught them nearly to its potential. and when I started interviewing them saying, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why are you still doing that? I taught you that this would cause this problem, but you're still doing it. One of the things that I found was that they felt insecure because what they were doing was so different. And even though they got great results, they often found themselves in constant battles with gym owners, clinic owners, other trainers and other therapists who just downright didn't agree with them even though they had the records to prove it, just like I taught them to do by assessing and monitoring the numbers, but they couldn't deal with the social pressure of being that different. So they fell back into fitting in like a sheep. The other thing I found is that they didn't have enough support after taking the workshops, because you know you come for blocks of five to nine days, depending on which course it is, and I give you a lot of intensive training, then you gotta go practice it and, and then turn in case histories to get to the next level but they didn't have the um, support and the mental horsepower to integrate that much information. So I realized my system is too complex. I've got to simplify it conceptually and create a philosophical framework that makes it easier for them to understand what to identify as important and where to start. So I went into meditation on this for quite a while. And interestingly enough, one day, you know, I have a pretty comprehensive library. I got thousands of books. I probably got a million dollars worth of books, audios, DVDs uh, of every type of information you can find on all the subjects we've been talking about here and have studied intensively my whole life. So uh, I just happened to be looking through my closet because I was ready for I, I always study when I train. I listen to things on a, either a, back then I was listening to cassette tapes on a Walkman or I was playing them CDs in a boom box in the gym and taking notes on my rest periods. And I was looking for something to listen to and I found an old like 1988 
program on herbology. And in the program, they gave a little history on herbology. And there was like one line in there. They said, Hippocrates, the Greek physician, who is considered the father of medicine, identified that all the problems that he saw in his patients came from one of three challenges, a lack of sleep, not having a sense of direction or or a, a goal of worthy um, worthy of pursuing, or diet problems. And he called those the three doctors. And immediately I said, aha, but he's missing doctor movement. And that philosophy today would not work because 2,300 years ago, people did not have a sedentary lifestyle. To even wash your clothes would have been as hard as many workouts people do today. Uh, you know, imagine washing your clothes by hand for a family of five on a washboard <laughs> with a bucket of soap and water. So that was all it took to trigger an avalanche because I had enough knowledge to identify and have deep knowledge in the heading of happiness. So that's Dr. Happiness. I had adequate knowledge in diet and nutrition and even basic herbology. So I understand Dr. Diet. I understood the soil all the way to the pharmacology of food and medicine. I understood the science of rest. I'd studied it intensively and actually had to heal myself from a circadian stress disorder from traveling on jets so much. And then I was had adequate mastery of movement. <clears throat> so I immediately add the fourth doctor <clears throat> and then I built out a structure and I, in meditation, my soul, which is, you know, the consciousness within guided me because I kept asking, how can I make this palatable to the public and even for my students? So I, my soul one day told me, get your notebook and let's go for a walk. So I was hiking out in the hills by my house and then I would be getting these downloads. And my soul said to me, what's the first and most important thing you need to get somebody to make a change in their life? And I said, well, they have to have a dream bigger than their nightmare. They have to have something worth living and growing for. So my soul said, write down the number one equals dream. What's the next most important thing you have to do to help somebody? I said, well, I have to assess them to find out where they're out of balance. My soul said, write down the number two. Two equals Tai Chi, the balance of the male and the female force from which everything in the universe is created. Then my soul says, what do you have to do as a person to implement those changes? And I, I said, well, you have to make choices. So my soul said, very good, write down number three. And my soul said, there's only three choices you can make in relationship to any person, place, or thing. The optimal, which is the one that's best for everybody involved to support you in your dream. The suboptimal, which is the one that usually gives you instant gratification but causes problems in your dream team relationships, such as family, friends, and supporters. Or the worst choice, which is just do nothing or be apathetic. The other application of number three is do nothing means don't make a choice until you have gathered adequate information to make an intelligent choice. And then number four is four doctors. So you have to identify a dream bigger, bigger than your problems and something worth changing for. You gotta identify where you're out of balance. You have to identify where your imbalance is at with regard to your dreaming ability or your creative ability, your management of your sleep and rest, your management of your diet to meet your specific individual needs and your use of exercise so that's therapeutic and productive 
to get you to your dream. So that began the one, two, three, four approach that I developed and have been using ever since. That was probably 2005 that, that I put that into play. And it's actually revolutionized my whole system because now even at the beginning levels of check exercise coach and HLC one, I teach people how to understand those four doctors. And then as the training goes, they just get deeper and deeper into the assessment of and the integration of those principles and practices in their body. And then deeper and deeper into how to use them diagnostically to help figure out what's wrong with a person and design a very, very specific diet and lifestyle program from the four doctor perspective that addresses each of those four doctors but very importantly, each of those four doctor categories is a category of core values. You have to identify what your dream is and how you want to live in order to experience the dream. You have to be clear on how much rest you need to be at your best to grow, to heal, and to perform. You've got to be clear on what you need to feed your body. It's unique individual needs. You cannot use diet books. We've got over 5,000 of them. They've never worked and they're never going to work. And so if you look at those four doctors, they become sets of values. And as I often say to my students, your yes has no value until you learn to say no. So I teach people that by being clear on what your dream is and knowing how you should eat, when you should rest, and how much and what type of movement, if somebody offers you a gluten-containing cookie and you know it causes inflammation in your body, it's your core value to avoid gluten-containing foods or poor quality foods. You simply know when to say no because it does not serve your dream goal or objective. So that allowed me to encapsulate the essentials of a living philosophy and having studied every religion out there of any significance and many philosophies and everything you can imagine, I identified that if you don't have the four spokes of those four doctors in the wheel, which I call the wheel of life, you have a three spoke or a two spoke or a one spoke wheel. And if you take one spoke out of a four spoke wheel, it'll collapse, it will not roll, you'll get something that looks more like a triangle than a wheel. And Almost every religion and every philosophy in the world has less than four spokes, which leads to a lot of problems. Well, and, and that's such a powerful message, Paul, and that's exactly why I wanted to have you as a guest on this podcast, because I think we get so caught up in all these external entrapments of, of living. And and my fear, you know, my personal philosophy towards fitness that I try to get across through this podcast and through other things I do is that fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And you've been a large part of that influence of just that, of that simple message. And that's been, you know, from, from what I've read and from what I've learned from you over the years, I've really tried to apply that with myself and with my clients. And I can tell, I can tell you just for feedback, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, it makes a huge difference. And then when you get away from some of these principles, when, you, when your life does get out of balance, it does, does fall apart uh, pretty quickly. Now, we're getting ready to wrap up. I want to be sensitive with your time. One of the things I want to ask is, is kind of what's your, you know, because you are such a, you know, an expert at movement and exercise, like what's your favorite go-to workout? Like when you have time to work out and, and you just want to get your sweat on, what's like your favorite go-to, just feel-good, you know, movement-based workout program? I go out and lift stones and make stone sculptures. Is that, I mean, just that simple, just getting out and, and playing in the yard or playing out in, uh, in the dirt? Yeah, I have a, you know, I've got eight acres here at my office and I have a, a bunch of stones I've gone out into the 
brush and collected. Some of them weigh as much as 300 pounds. And I build sculptures, sometimes 16 feet tall, where I have to climb up and stand on stones and stack stones to make stair steps. Um, I build patterns on the ground. Um, and I don't have a favorite workout. I don't use exercise that way. I just ask my soul what would be the best uh, form of exercise to balance us and nourish us. And I listen to my inner voice and shut my ego off. And I found a long time ago that when I listen to my inner voice and let my higher self guide me, then I get a lot more out of it. I don't get injured. I feel better. Whenever my ego gets involved and I start competing with people, I end up hurting myself in some way. And that's how spirit grounds you in the reality that no matter how big your ego is, the consciousness of the universe is an infinite ocean and the most an ego could ever be is a thimble. So if you want to really be guided in your exercise, then you have to grow yourself to trust the inner voice that's in all of us that we know as our conscience or the, our, the truth voice within us. And when you practice enough to learn to listen to your body, for example, if you think you want to go in the gym and do uh, power cleans, but as you're warming up, you notice the bar feels heavy and your body's a little achy. Well, you're a fool if you force yourself to do that. You simply find an exercise that feels good, nourishes you, and in some way contributes to your goal or objective. And so I use a gym like uh, Hippocrates used 40 herbs. And I go in there and check in with my body, my mind, and my emotions and say, what can I do today that will leave me feeling more balanced, more whole, and more capable of living my dreams and helping people live theirs? So I don't have any fixation on any exercise. I'd say probably if there's what I call the king of exercises that I probably spend more time doing than most exercise would be various forms of deadlifting because in just a few minutes, you can get more exercise with deadlifting than you can with almost anything else. <laughs> No, that's and I think also too, just from 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 speaking with you and and speaking with a number of experts through this podcast, one of the one of the common themes, and we'll wrap up with this, is, is meditation. You know, I'm surprised by you know when I speak with you know people that were in the Navy SEALs, when I speak with guys that are you know considered top level strength coaches, the one consistent theme comes back, Paul, is, is meditation, and that's an area where I've been really trying to work, and I've found personally that taking the time to at least try to meditate does allow you to get in touch with that inner conscious. What role do you think meditation plays in like a healthy lifestyle? And what's one thing that somebody could do today to kind of start incorporating some meditation into their life? Well, there's two answers to that. Meditation is actually, first of all, meditation is a large word. It's like saying exercise. There's as many ways to meditate as there are exercise methods. But meditation is actually a methodology by which you no longer identify yourself with your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, but you learn to witness them from a position of equanimity or detachment. And you often find that a lot of your judgments, thoughts, feelings, and beliefs actually just aren't true and are causing you a lot of problems. And so what it does is it teaches you to witness your own inner process from the outside instead of being trapped in it unconsciously and then it gives you an opportunity to digest your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And in my system, you can ask yourself which 
of my thoughts, feelings, and emotions is actually dream affirmative and which of them are just programmed behaviors from society, parental stress, etc. And it, so there begins the inner journey of introspection and therefore self-realization. Until you reach that point, you're kind of like a programmed robot that's just acting out the dictates of religion, corporations, schools, and society, which all of which aren't doing very, very well. And we've reached the point where our consciousness has gotten so low, we actually voted in a very bad act <laughs> as president, you know? So you can see that the consciousness of the culture is being mirrored back to us in grand measure by its choices. But meditation, for example, you would sit down and ask yourself, for example, of the presidential candidates, which one of them is the safest and the best for the interests of all? And you might all of a sudden have certain feelings about this one or that one, or you might be like me and come to the realization that actually none of them are presidential candidates. And the best thing I can do isn't to vote because I don't want to support the, the, the darkness on either side. So what I'll do is I'll help the world to the best of my ability each day by being the change and supporting Mother Earth and supporting organic farming and supporting spiritual growth and supporting humanity. Because if we heal people one human being at a time, that's like healing cancer by removing one cancer cell at a time. So if you take a cancer cell and you heal it, then it becomes a living cell in a community, but a cancer cell doesn't see itself as part of a community. So really for me, the science and practice of meditation is about becoming conscious of and honest with yourself, knowing what's going on inside of you, but not getting trapped in your thoughts and feelings and emotions so that you're reactive. Meditation allows you to be responsive. So instead of ready, aim, uh, ready, fire, aim, living, meditation says, wait a minute, before I pull the trigger on this, is it going to produce the results I really want? So it's, it's the practice of witnessing with detachment. Um, the, I forgot what your second question was. Well, that was how it, it was it was related to and I think to it ties into and you kind of touch touch the base on it I think because I think we get so disconnected from one another whether it's because of our different political beliefs or because of different values that we've been conditioned to believe and I really yeah. personally I believe meditation allows us kind of the, the chance to check in and 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 for me personally you know meditation has been hard and and I find though but when I think you know the benefit of living in Encinitas of living in Southern California. I found that for me, and others might want to try this, I, I try to think about the earth around me, that I'm part of this energy system between the mountains and the ocean. You know, where yeah. I live, I'm, I'm a couple miles, you know, the mountains are a couple miles to the east, the ocean's a couple miles to my west, and I try to draw the energy from both sources to balance out the yin and the yang in me. And and yeah. as, as a recover, I call myself a recovering meathead, because I used to be that guy in the gym that was all, Ugh, go, go, go. And I've learned yeah. how to do that, and it really has been it's such a soothing thought, Paul, to know that that I'm not responsible, that I'm just part of I'm just part of the system. I'm part of nature, and that when I'm gone, the ocean's still there, the, the mountains are still there, and and that really what I do today, all I can do is is what you said is can I have a positive effect on those around me, and that's what I really try yeah. to bring it home to. So with that, let's wrap it up. And, and do you have a way that people can follow you, or the way that people can get a hold of you? You mentioned your ebook. I'm gonna put a link to that. Anything else that 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 if people really like this message if they want to kind of learn a little bit more about what you're doing, is there a way they can connect with you? 
Yeah, there's one comment I'd like to make real quick on the meditation thing. Certainly, you know, I've yeah. studied Carl Jung's work in great depth and practiced it and do practice it as part of my life and it's part of my therapeutic approach. And one of the things that Jung made very clear is that consciousness is a psychic substance produced not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites. And that what we're calling meditation, he, he called holding the tension of the opposites. So we always have positive things that are going on in our lives, but we always have challenging things at various stages or at most times in our life, if you look at a person's life in context, because the positives and the negatives have to exist or consciousness cannot be aware of anything. If something's not moving, there's nothing for consciousness to perceive. So Jung talked about the importance of holding the tension of the opposites. How that relates to meditation is because in, instead of just responding with knee-jerk reactions or you know, cursing at people because you don't like them or judging people because you don't like them or judging yourself because you don't like your own choices and the things that you're doing, in meditation you simply allow the positives and the negatives to exist in relationship to the other which creates a field of tension and that's where consciousness rises. So for beginning meditators, what I would say is simply allow your thoughts, feelings, and emotions to rise in you, witness them, but don't try to abolish either of them. Don't say, oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Just feel what happens when those two realities, the positive and the negatives, are juxtaposed against each other, and you'll feel that there's a tension there, and that tension is really what creates consciousness and life itself. So meditation, if used at a very basic level, can be nothing other than just simply witnessing the polarities in your life and knowing that you don't have to rush to make decisions because usually you make things worse when you do. And it brings your awareness to where you need more attention in your life. For example, if you're someone who's kicking themselves as hard as possible in the gym and you can't seem to get more muscle on or get body fat off, you would simply identify that and say, something's wrong because I'm not getting the results I want with my exercise program, so let me look at what's going on. Let me look at what it is that's driving me to exercise or what it is that keeps making me exercise but not paying attention to what other factors in my life, such as sleeping or eating, uh, that may be really as relevant or even more relevant than exercise itself. And if a person just holds the intention to solve the problem or answer the question, it will inevitably rise up in you intuitively or the universe will bring it to you directly. Like somebody will walk up to you in the gym and start talking to you and say, oh, you know, I used to train just like you and I had the same problems, but I found out I wasn't getting enough rest and my adrenals were burnt out. Have you tried getting to bed earlier and sleeping eight hours. Oh no, I never thought of that. And the next thing you know, they're healed from that one simple thing. So that's what it means to hold the balance of the tension of the opposites. And that's my kind of simple comment on what meditation really is. Um, you can get a hold of, you can, you can get my main products and services and education courses and online courses, which we now offer quite a number of and live, um, uh, web-based education so people all over the world can study the training without having to travel at www.chekinstitute.com. And today I'd like to offer all your listeners a 20% discount on their first purchase through the Institute 
on whatever it is that they would like to buy. And all they have to do is use the promotional code all about fitness. So you just say, I listened to the podcast with all about fitness. I heard Paul check and he offered us 20% off on our first purchase. So all about fitness is the code. My personal blog, if people want to follow my personal blog, it's www.paulchecksblog.com, paulchecksblog.com. And my YouTube channel where I have over 500 videos for the public is youtube.com forward slash Paul C-H-E-K live. And that's it. And there's a huge library of stuff I've been putting out for years and all the kinds of things you and I have been talking about here. Well, Paul, I really, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the work that you've done and for the, the positive energy that you bring to the world. And, you know, really, I appreciate that and I appreciate the opportunity to share your message with listeners out there. So thanks for your time today. Well, thank you. And thanks for sharing people like me and your own story and your own love. Um, you know, as as the bee, the bee uh, you know, I'm a shaman, so I use power animals in my second chakra. Uh, my first chakra power animals, the bee family. And one day I was trying to solve a problem and, and the bee spirit showed up in my inner consciousness and said, Paul, you can't make honey alone. <laughs> and so here we are making honey together. So thank you very much for your support, Pete. Well, there you have it. You know, as I said at the beginning, that definitely wasn't the normal conversation about fitness, but I really think that's a good thing. You know, the first time I went to a Paul Check seminar, I think it was 1998 or 1999, um, whatever it was, it was a number of years ago. It was definitely there was a 19 in, in the first two, first two numbers of the year. But the first time I went to a Paul Check seminar, he blew me away. You know, he really, he was talking about things different. I mean, he helped me change the way that I train. He helped me change the way I approach fitness. You know, he really was a major influence on me earlier in my career. I mean, we, we talked about that a little bit, but just the, the, his approach towards movement, you know, he was talking about squatting, lunging, pushing, pulling, you know, years before a lot of other people were talking about it, definitely years before it became mainstream. You know, I remember very early in the two thousands, maybe 2000, maybe I think it was 2000. I think that was, um, right after the election in 2000 or definitely 2001, right after, uh, September 11th, I was at a seminar, a workshop, uh, took a couple sessions with Paul and he was talking about snatching, you know, one arm dumbbell snatching, you know, now when we look at kettlebell training, you know, some of that, you know, Paul was talking about some of those techniques years before they became popular. So when you look at it, I mean, that's why I wanted to have him on as a guest. You know, when you look at a lot of the current fitness trends, we look a lot at a lot of the current nutrition trends. You know, when I first heard talk, you know, Paul talk about gluten intolerance, I never would have imagined that we would have a whole line of gluten-free products out there. You know, that was something brand new. But he really helped bring that to the forefront. I mean, you could hear him talk about his experience. A lot of that he, you know, experimented with himself, found out what worked. And Paul, I think, is in his mid-upper 50s now. And the guy, if you go to his website, you know, Paul, I'll have the, the link down below. If you go to his website, the dude is still shredded. So he practices what he preaches. You know, you know, my personal approach to fitness is really just to be strong, be fit, be able to enjoy what you do. You know, Paul's approach is to really focus on the holistic side of things. You know, and it really is amazing because you can see that the results that it has with him. 
you know, some of the conversations I've, you know, had with him over the years have been very, you know, a few minutes at a time, but very eye-opening. And, and it really, you know, I come back to that. It really has been a major influence on me. You know, not only what I do in fitness, but just how I approach everything in life. You know, different, you know, points of view I have. You know, we talked a little bit about meditation. You know, that was something, you know, Paul's one of the early strength guys I heard talking about meditation. It's still something I struggle with. You've heard a few of my guests on this podcast talk about the role of meditation, but I think it plays a huge influence on that. But I really, if you, if you want to learn more just about the holistic side of, of exercise, the holistic side of things, I really can't recommend how to eat, move, and be healthy highly enough. You know, in that, Paul goes into some of those details. He goes more into his, you know, four doctors model. You know, it goes more into just how to kind of be a better person. It's not just about what we do for exercise. It's about, you know, kind of a recipe for living of being a better person, of just being more open to everything, of connecting with everybody. You know, there's a natural energy in the universe. This is my little Southern California, you know, my little Southern California holistic field. There's a natural energy in the universe. And if we all, you know, are a little more mindful of that and are a little bit softer in our approach and try to learn how to incorporate that energy into things we do, I think it'll have a, a significant influence on everybody's life. You know, that's one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast is just share information out there. And personally, I may not agree with all of it, but I'm certainly open to it. You know, I'm opening to hearing a different point of view. I'm opening to hearing something new. You know, whether or not you practice that in your daily life, you know, you make that decision if it works for you. You know, I've made certain decisions about, you know, different things, you know, in my life. And and only thing I'm trying to do is really just try to open you guys up, open listeners up to, di- to different ideas. You know, you can decide whether or not it's something you want to incorporate. Anyway, getting a little off topic there, but I really, I want to thank Paul. I want to thank Paul for his time. You know, if you're interested in picking up uh, a Paul Check, uh, one of Paul Check's programs or purchasing something from the Check Institute, check the show notes. There'll be a special discount code for listeners of this podcast that you'll be able to use to save a little bit of money on investing in one of Paul's products to help you with your fitness needs. My name is Pete McCall. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any ideas, any feedback, if you have any guests that you'd like to book or any guests that you'd like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to email me, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. You can follow me on the Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is PeteMC. That's PeteMC underscore fitness. PeteMC underscore fitness on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's PeteMcCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Now, one of the things that's going to be coming up uh, very soon on All About Fitness is I'm going to start doing product reviews. I'm interviewing a couple of inventors of pieces of equipment. I got those uh, ready to go. And I'm also going to be putting product reviews up on my YouTube channel. So if you follow YouTube, if you, if you check out YouTube regularly, you can go to All About Fitness Podcast. My YouTube channel is All About Fitness Podcast, and I'll be putting product reviews up there for your consumer information needs. Thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you drop in for future episodes of All About Fitness. All About Fitness.